Hello and welcome to another Sustainable Wine podcast. This is a recording of a conference session that took place on the 22nd of June 2021 as part of our Sustainability and the Vineyard Conference. There are many more sessions like this to listen to and many more podcasts. Just search for Sustainable Wine on your podcast app. Uh, hello, everybody, and good morning, and thank you for joining us this water usage session. Um, we've got Lauren Holman from uh, Chateau We've got Rosanna Lisa, director of Bodegas Ramon Bilboa. And we've got Frank Massach, who's the sommelier and owner of um, Frank Massach Wineries. And I'm Linda Johnson-Bell, um, founder of the Wine and Climate Change Institute here in Oxford. And we're going to be talking about all things water. So um, I'll start very briefly on what the water footprint is. We agreed before we started the session, we don't want to waste too much time on that, as it is a very difficult thing to measure. Basically, when we talk about a water footprint, we talk about the three components, the blue, the gray, and the green. And the component that most concerns us usually in viticulture is blue water or freshwater use. And that can, I'd say 90, 85-90% to of the world's freshwater is being used for agriculture. And that's, that analogy certainly translates into viticulture as probably 95% of our water use is used in the vineyard as opposed to that in the winery. So I think we'll start with that uh, water use as opposed to vineyard and winery. And could one, could one of you perhaps, Lauren, start with, well, I'd like to, each one of you to tell us what you're doing in the winery and then we'll move into the vineyard. But also I should add that I think the discussion, I think what's exciting today is that we have all understood that saving water or water conservation doesn't just start with the faucet. It is about being biodynamic. It is about soil health. It is about um, helping our soils retain water. It is about planting hedgerows. It is a far more holistic approach than turning a faucet on or off. So everything you're doing from what I, I read is actually contributing towards water efficiency. So um, we'd love to hear about uh, what you're doing. So Lauren, would you like to start? Of course, yeah. I think, you know, water is such, it's one of those elixirs of life that's something that we have to protect and we have to save, you know? And so for us, it's about two things, really. I mean, you've got reducing your water consumption, which is something that you can possibly think about in the winery and things like that. Then you also have the idea of saving and collecting water, which is something you can do in both, I suppose. But um, in terms of like what we do, we do a vast array of things and water is just one element of all of our sustainability pillars and uh, and flows at Chateauville. But specifically yeah, in terms of in the winery itself, we've got grandiose plans of uh, collecting wastewater and uh, and also like the rainwater, which we're using for other parts of the, the, the actual place. The thing is, too, with, with Chateauville, because we're not just a winery. We grow grapes, as you know. Uh, we also have olive groves. We have a market garden. We have a restaurant. So, you know, it's a very holistic uh, place that, uh, we, that we take care of and everything is done by hand and very naturally. And literally our whole ethos is to work in harmony with nature. So water is a huge aspect of that. In terms of the winery, um, we keep everything to a bare minimum. Everything is measured uh, with our water consumption and will continue to be so. And we will look at more plans towards uh, reducing that as much as possible. But things like that's currently that goes ahead in the winery is we use steam um, to actually clean our vats. So that drastically reduces rather than having, you know, huge, huge, big nozzles and hose pipes uh, daily 
daily cleaning of things like that. So, you know, little 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 kind of techniques that those types of things can definitely help um, reduce your water consumption. And then, yeah, the next step would be thinking about collecting the wastewater as well. And in terms of our production, uh, we're a very naturally focused producer and we make things very artisanal. So, I mean, our grapes go from uh, the vineyard into the winery within about 10 minutes because of the, the proximity of our land. And for that, we actually do whole bunch, um, whole bunch pressing. So it's not something that we pick all of the things and then we need to like have too much excessive machinery that we need to wash down. The other thing, too, is we don't wash any of our grapes. So there's not an excessive amount of water being used in the production because we prefer to use everything um, very homogenized and very naturally focused. So in general, our production doesn't require um, that much uh, that much water, but we do have plans to to constantly kind of trick down and, uh, and make sure that we're not using all that much. And then, yeah, we probably do a lot more work, to be honest, in, in our actual vineyards itself and the estate. Laub's made up of about well, 560 hectares, which is over 1,200 um, acres, but 75% of that is wild and completely uncultivated. So, you know, it's that kind of link between do we do too much with the wild nature or do we actually leave it alone? And we tend to leave it alone a lot more, but we do tend to try and protect it as much as possible. So I'll, I can move into the, the vineyard when we get onto that topic or I can leave. Well, let, let, let's, let's handle the winery first because that is the most straightforward. Um, the, the tricky bit does get into the vineyard. But that's yeah. a, a quick question. And it's an ignorant question on, on my behalf. You say you don't have to wash the grapes. Am I guessing that's because you use organic viticulture? So you can... Yeah, okay, thank you. I thought so. That's your ICF. Yeah, okay. Want, um, the, because we prefer to use, uh, well, we prefer the, the wine to actually ferment itself to, to kickstart yes. its fermentation. Yes. If we wash the grapes, then that, that homogenized um, fermentation will have the natural Yeah, you can't get those indigenous uh, yeasts exactly. started, can you? Yeah. Um, Franck, do you want to join in? Yeah. Um, actually, um, uh, you know, I own some vineyard in Pirat and uh, Monsan, but um, I don't have a winery. So. I don't use any water. Okay, <laughs> no, next. Just, uh, <laughs> that's perfect. Oh, that was easy. <laughs> I use the other people's water. Okay. Uh, just, no, just, so I, I don't, uh, you know, I know the winery. I, I, so I work with a few wineries because I make wine in different areas of, uh, of Spain. Uh, what, what I know from uh, working there is that, uh, yeah, we use uh, more, uh, more pressure, uh, uh, tools that are with more pressure, so they, they, it's more efficient in a, in a winery. Um, we can uh, recycle some of the water. Part of the water is used in a in a in a winery, like uh, with caustic soda water. Can be uh, you know you can use it to clean one tank and and use it to uh, to clean the second tank. And part of this water can be reused. Uh, you know you need to analyze the pH and. Uh, and salinity, but it can be reused for the um, irrigation system. That's what I was going to ask. Okay. Um, so basically, but I'm I'm more uh, as I said I'm uh, more a vineyard owner, and from what I see in uh, in a region where where we make wine in a in Mediterranean uh, part of Spain. Um, there's a more need in, in a vineyard, far more need in a, in a vineyard. We're talking about uh, 25 times more need of water for the vines than, than for, uh, than for the, the winery. So yeah. I can talk to you later maybe about uh, what we do in a, in a, 
in a vignette? Well, we'll get to that very quickly and you'll be first because it's interesting, your, your irrigation laws, um, and that's what I'd like to start with. Rosanna, how do you um, regulate water use in your wineries? Yes, in, in our case, we have uh, two wineries. The, the first one, the, the most traditional, the, the oldest winery is located in Rioja, in, in Aro. And here we are focused especially in the, in the red wines. Uh, we have vineyard as well. And uh, in the case of Rioja, we don't make uh, irrigation uh, because in the Rioja Alta, the, the conditions are uh, very wet and fresh and uh, irrigation is not typical in this, in this part. But in Rioja Oriental, in the, the warmer regions in Rioja, uh, they are, uh, we do. We do irrigation, but the level of irrigation is very low. It's around less than one liter per kilogram of rain. So it's uh, more or less uh, ridiculous. But uh, it's very important, especially for the Tempranillo. Uh, we are working with uh, Garnacha and Tempranillo, and Garnacha is more rustic and is less sensitive to the, to the drought. And in the case of uh, Rueda, uh, we have a, a vineyard as well. Here uh, we are focusing on white grape varieties, Verdejo and Sauvignon Blanc. And here, uh, yes, we, we make uh, irrigation. How we do reduce the, the, the volume of water? Uh, we have a weather station. We, we monitor the, the humidity, the wet conditions in the soil. We have different sensors in different uh, deep, different centimeters deep in the soil to, to, see, to see the evolution of the wet conditions or the wet conditions every moment. So it's really very important to decide the best moment for make an irrigation. And another uh, process to reduce the, the water consumption is uh, with many projects of research and development to understand the, the development of the fungus, the development of the mildew and, and powdery mildew as well. Uh, we control the temperature and humidity and uh, we can manage the number of treatments according to the condition. Mm -hmm. with, um, with these mathemal mathematical models, we have uh, reduced the 30% of the treatments in the, in the vineyard. So it's really very important. Okay. And in the winery, we have winery in Rioja and Rueda as well. And here we, we may recirculate of the, of the water as well. We keep the water in different tanks with a reuse for the cleaning of the different and other tanks, especially in the, in the concrete baths. And uh, according to the bottling line, we recycle the, the water that we use for, uh, for washing the bottles preview to the, to the bottling. Um, is, there, is it difficult to uh, recycle yeah, you know, grey water? Is, are there, can you just simply recycle it or does that contain a, a, me a methodology and chemicals? Or you, you've all touched upon the use of grey water and recycling water. Is, would you all be doing that in different ways? Or is there only one way to do that? Or can someone explain that for us? Yes, uh, it's uh, one way for, for us to do is uh, keep with uh, a little concentration of sulfur and a little mm -hmm. concentration of, of acidity to keep the acidity and the pH more stable. Okay, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. Can you use, um, Frank just said a moment ago, Frank said that you can use grey water to irrigate. Um, I've read a lot of, about that, that it can be difficult because the process itself then can, is not exactly the best water for for the grapes has that that has that science been improved upon is that now something that is a viable option for for winemakers is to use gray water as irrigation is that easily done Frank? 
Uh, well, from you know, it's uh, something that a, um, a friend of mine is doing, uh, mm. and uh, I know they're very uh, uh, precise with. Uh, so they do analysis, and they say this water they cannot reuse it anywhere otherwise. So okay. they just uh, analyze some of the elements in in that water, and and with uh, and what they do is that they mix it with a, a high amount of other water. That, okay. uh, they get, uh, you know, they get the, the water for the for the for the vineyards. They have uh, massive uh, tanks of uh, water reserve. So they, they would uh, add part of that water that is used in a winery, so that at the end the water is very uh, diluted, and they make sure that this water is uh, is viable for the for the vines. Yes, I can say it's, it's tricky. It's not it's not as straightforward as it sounds. I, yeah, from what I've no, heard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, what are at the moment? Um, so you, you also are this is hardly a contentious conversation because you're all doing everything right. <laughs> so, um, what at the moment are your regional laws on irrigation? Because they've been loosening in, in France and Spain. And I have a few questions about that. Um, but first, t t I'd love to know, just give us an update. And then I, I have then I have a couple of questions I'd love to ask you after that. But what what's like Lauren? What's the um, current irrigation law in your appellation? Well, we're super boring in that there is no uh, there is no law, so to speak. You can take as much as you like. Um, okay. We personally dry farm all of our vines, so we actually don't take any water for our vineyards, um, and we are actively trying to slow the flow of water down. Um, at Leu because we're in a fortunate position where we are just behind some hills and we're right on the water with uh, with the sea. So, you know, for us, it's all about flowing, slowing down that natural flow so we okay. can take in and our vines and our natural wildlife can actually take advantage of the of the rainfall most of, you know, rather than actually helping um, by, by irrigating. So we're super boring. Sorry, I can't really yeah. <laughs> give any laws or interesting <laughs> facts about the ones. It's like, if you want water, take it. No, 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 it's <laughs> fantastic. I said this is gonna be the most, no, no fights to debates in this conversation. <laughs> um, I, I was reading about your um, chateau earlier this morning. And in fact, that's where biodiversity is helping. You, your issue is, exactly it's your topography and your location and you're having to use hedgerows and trees and, and a proper biodiverse system in order to stop soil erosion exactly um, all it, the water it's, so, yeah it's a big That's factor um yeah. for Provence and for us personally you know it's a it's something that we're trying to uh to create resilience against but that runoff you know in winter we do get a lot of uh huge big rainstorms and hail and things like that so it it does create there's a whole kind of passage if you don't help by uh you know we're planting we're doing some little small smoke uh, stone dams for example to help uh certain places and to to direct the water to our reservoirs we actually do have two small reservoirs at Leu, kind of more on the northern part of the estate and then we have wetlands down near the sea as well mm -hmm. so it's about trying to direct the water into the right places so then the right agricultural product actually has benefit from that all year round rather than it just be a state a case of because at the minute you know it's very easy for the water to come rain and then it goes straight away to the sea and then nothing happens. so I think it is about you know correctively planting grasses if you need to if you know more hedgerows for example that we're planting in between um, vines and splitting some of the terraces up and I mean for the past 20 years since uh, since the, the Bamford family purchased Chateau it's been a very restorative approach of rejuvenating everything and um, prior to them purchasing and prior to our winemaker and agro agronomist um, uh, Roman Ott 
taking charge of things. You know, the terraces were in a complete state of disrepair. The, the vines were not very healthy. So we've taken a long time and nature does need time. You know, we need to be very patient with it to level out the terraces of the plots of the vineyard, to create better drainage systems. So, you know, everything does uh, have that consistency that you need for your yields and you need for the health of your plants. So it's really important. And, yeah, we've done extensive work in the vineyard, in the olive groves, uh, and also in the kind of surrounding nature to, to mainly make sure that we've got a consistent natural supply of water everywhere. So that's, yeah, we, we're, we're doing all sorts of projects, which I yep. can go detail about later, but in general, that's our, gem, that's our ethos. But, but how enjoyable for you? You know, some people <laughs> are battling, they're battling a completely different um, front line and you're, you're really um, in a, nice position we're super um, lucky but if yeah you know, um, challenges it's very expensive absolutely. to do all these types of slowing down projects and things like that but uh yeah we're definitely mindful yeah. of uh, other That's people fair. in, in uh, more terrible situations where they don't have any water yes. I, think yes. I was speaking to frank last week and uh and you know they have huge massive droughts where every single one of the vineyards takes from the same river that goes through everything mm -hmm. so uh, yeah frank can go into more detail but it sounds terrible so uh yeah, yeah. Well, well, from for you, you've got uh, DOQ, you know, Prioha, you know, yeah. vineyards, which I think it's still illegal to irrigate there, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. And, but your other vineyards, are like Terra Alta and Cava and Catalonia, they're all DO, so there you're allowed to irrigate. Am I correct? Yes. Yes, okay. we are allowed to irrigate in this. Uh, you know, it's a part of a, it's a part of a, of the world where um, we can have drought and we may need uh, some uh, support uh, of uh, irrigation. When we, when, when we use the term, I've never really got my head around this, and perhaps it's because the answer is different for every vineyard, but when we discuss supplemental irrigation, uh, how do you know what would have been your natural rainfall? And then at what point does irrigation become supplemental? Does that, um, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, uh, some producer we work with uh, sensors, and uh, uh, I know a winery in Pirat where they've been working with sensors and uh, uh, with the uh, Davis University. Uh, also, so assessing the, the at what point the the, the, the vine is stressing, and uh, and this way they've been able to uh, to change a bit the the irrigation processes by uh, irrigating a bit earlier for instance uh rather than later when the when there's the water stress was so high so that the the vine will not recover uh yeah that's a that's a more scientific way of uh, assessing it um in Terralta, uh, what they do is um over 40 in in the beginning of july if they see that's more like a visual stress uh, mm -hmm. over um, like this year, for instance, we've been discussing it, and there will be no irrigation because we just had uh, another 60 liters of uh, of uh, rainfall last week. So there's plenty of water, so there's no need. But in uh, another year, they may just uh, they would add five liters of water over 48 hours. So that's a lot of water in uh, mm -hmm. over two days. But that's the the belief is that as the the, the water really penetrates the soil deep like if you had a, a massive storm so that the, the vines will have enough, uh, will have recovered from that water stress mm -hmm. and we should not need to add any water later on. And in Terralta, you, you have water, yeah. uh, you know, a big, 
that's that's not your question, but uh, no, no, no. Uh, you know, in in, uh, in Teralta, we have access to water. We have uh, the river Ebro, so there's mm -hmm. plenty of water, so people can irrigate. And uh, and you are in a region that you know when you also talk about the need of water in, in a region like Teralta, where the the wines are cheaper, yield have to be a bit uh, higher per, per vine. In a region like Prirat, we are uh, the yield about four times less. So we can afford to be more, uh, uh, to dry farm our, our vineyards more. Is, is, when I speak to people who say they can't afford to dry farm because it would be untenable or unviable, the crop would be unviable, yeah. I'm assuming they mean economically unviable, not that the plant couldn't survive in so much, you're just talking about lower yields and then you, you can't you know, take the grapes to market. Um, in an ideal world, it would be fabulous if there were an economic playing field and everybody could afford to do you know, have whatever yields they wanted, etc. What a way forward, because you've got what I call, it's kind of, it appears to be a, a hybrid of dry farm and irrigation parcels. Would, would maybe a way forward be that everyone's required to dry farm, you know, 10 or 20% of their parcels and the rest are allowed to irrigate? So you have some wines then that you can prop up, you know, uh, otherwise, how do you get, if you can't afford to be sustainable, that's not, we're, we're never gonna get anywhere. Um, and if and every single time I come to a conversation and they say, we have to drop that practice, we have to stop that practice, we had to irrigate the last minute, and it was all about economic viability. So I just think that's the part of the puzzle that has to change. So you can all be free to take the decisions you want to take and do what you want to do in your vineyards. Um, so, so to, to Rosanna, you're legally not allowed to irrigate in, in Rioja, is that correct? Uh, yeah, no, in Rioja we can we can uh, do That's irrigation. New. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a law, but it's a it's a it's a law until 15 of August. Yeah. After after 15 of August, uh, we have to send an email to the appellation to the Consejo Regulador to ask for an extra irrigation. After that, the technical directors comes to the vineyard and decide if okay or is too much water. Especially is required in the moment of the Tempranillo Blanco, for example, uh, or, or a vineyard that is focused for a, a rosé wine. Okay, uh, and the irrigation in Rioja, as I said uh, before, is especially focused in the Rioja Oriental because there are warmer conditions and, and drier. The rainfall is less than 300 liters per year. In the Rioja Alta, the type of soil is uh, fresher, deeper with uh, chalky conditions and the rainfall is around 450 or even 500 liters per year. And uh, according to the Rued Appellation, uh, it's possible the irrigation all the year step in the moment of the of the flowering and fruit set. So since uh, 1st of June until 8th of July. So in this moment is forbidding the, the irrigation, but now we receive water from, from the sky because we received uh, around 100 liters the, uh, the last week. So uh, it's really very, very wet conditions. Well, with climate change, we're seeing our traditional seasons shift. You know, they're moving forward and they're all over the place. So do these dates perhaps have to be, it sounds a bit cumbersome to me. You, you know your, your vines better than anyone and the weather is no longer behaving. Floraison is changing, raison is changing. Um, those, those dates aren't the right benchmarks anymore. Um, so do you see the legislation catching up with what's happening in the vineyards or is that uh, 
Yes, the, the, the legislation has to be moved, has to be changed, because the uh, 15th of August in Rioja is around 38, 40 degrees. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really very bad for making white grapes and for making uh, red grapes as well, because Tempranillo is uh, very sensitive to the drought conditions and it needs a medium condition of water. Okay. Okay. Um I'm sorry, I got a message from Agatha. What would be your ideal? The um, Lauren, you'll never have to worry about this. Uh, Frank, you seem to be on top of it. Do you see? Do you see a? Um, do you think that with in terms of irrigation? I mean, do you want to discuss the best method of irrigation? I mean, that there are books written on that. Because are, are you all using those of you that are using it? Are you using drip? Are you, you know, what, what is your best practice, in your opinion, for irrigation? Prong. Me? Yeah. Um, well, I think the, the, uh, the drip irrigation is probably uh, the best. Uh, but as I said, I believe that um, if you use drip irrigation, yeah, because you can control it. Uh, you know, you can... Um, you adapt it and you, you give the water to the plant. And I think it's... Uh, the, the more you can uh, um, reduce it to the, the parcel that need it, uh, mm -hmm. the better, you know, and that's sometimes difficult because the installation you have may not allow you to, uh, to irrigate just a small uh, part of your vineyard. Uh, and if you have drip irrigation, well, uh, yeah, it's much better than flooding or, but still oh, yeah. when we irrigate, it's, uh, it seems that it's, uh, it's better that uh, when you give water, you give more, you, you don't do a one hour, every uh, uh, one hour a day or something, because, you know, most of the water would evaporate. Come on. And, and, if you give, and if you give water... Yeah. Who's that? Okay. <laughs> the French Hello? Hello? Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so yeah, if you, if you, if you uh, drip irrigate, you still have to, uh, to give uh, a certain amount over two days so that... It's mute. It's we've muted. Yeah, all of us. I think I think we've been stopped. No, it's just it's just Frank was muted. Sadly. Okay. Oh yes. darn it! Okay. I said something wrong. <laughs> yeah. Now, 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 now you're back. There we go. <laughs> uh, so no, as I said, uh, yeah. When you irrigate, the 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 best practice is probably to irrigate for uh, for like two days, so that you give water to the vines. Uh, it goes deep in a in a in a in the soil. You don't want to give water so that the, the roots go back up. I think that's the that's the main uh, point. So that you don't. The vine is almost yeah. It's it's an hybrid between dry farming and irrigation, because you know dry farming is good, but we are in some years in conditions that mm. the vines are really really struggling. It's and I'm not sure yet whether it's 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 drought or it's heat or the combination of the two awesome. but uh, in 2019 uh, I've seen uh, in two of my vineyards uh, the, the, the Carignan just dying I mean not uh, not producing any grapes it just dried out well the I, I, I have no question for that but somebody who's listening has just asked a question a very good one one I've often wondered uh, Fred and I didn't catch your last name Fred I'm sorry but he asked is there a way to do underground um, irrigation so we, there's no uh, loss of evaporation are there any systems being developed that allow you to put the drip feed you know under under the soil at all 
Yeah, I know. I know they're doing that with some other crops. So, has have we looked at that in viticulture? Has anyone heard of that being used or do, being done, or is it possible? Uh, I've I've heard of it, but uh, I'm not sure because you know then. Uh, uh, first, you, it's good, but you have to do it at the first when you install your vineyards. Yes, it's, it's yeah. got to be, yeah. So you've got to do it yeah. from day one. And uh, often yeah. it's uh, when you, you it, that might not be the case. And then uh, uh, you need to know the depth that you're going to, because also if you uh, plow the vineyard, uh, you can't, you, you don't want to, you no, don't want to disturb that system. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, and it's, it's really difficult to do. I, I have heard of um, places doing this, and obviously it's, it's also viable in other agricultural produce. <laughs> but um, it is one of those things that it's incredibly expensive. I mean, any irrigation system has yeah. to be. So, you know, Linda, you were you touched upon it. Nobody really generally focuses on economic sustainability. At the end of the day, if, you, if your winery, if your vineyard, if your global um, company is not sustainably uh, well. Is not economically sustainable. How are we? How are we to? How are we supposed to produce anymore? You know. So I think it's something that also it, do, it does tend to get kind of put into the sidelines. So it is. It is something really of importance. And irrigation is one of those things that it's a huge investment to put in. Mm -hmm. So yeah, with the um, with the kind of underground irrigation, it is a good idea. But in the same sense of you know, it's also good practice. Uh, a lot of the time with uh, vignerons to be taught to plow, for example, and to kind of have tillage in between their vines. Now it's more of a case of uh, we are thinking about cover crops and things like that. Cover, yes. It has to be a slow transition. So perhaps that's something that you can you can do a little bit too, is is to kind of partially cover crop or think about those things, because also that would help if you are irrigating, then it helps to separate the soil and create structure so the water stays in the soil rather than runs off and rather than also for the surface runoff so there's lots of different things at play um specifically with irrigation and and in general water so it is a really interesting topic but it's very expensive <laughs> but, and that's why it's and, not fair Rosanna, and, go ahead yes, uh, i think uh, underground irrigation is a uh, could be a special importance in the sandy soils because uh, the sandy soils the drainage is really very well very easy uh, much better than in a compacted soils for example with a uh, chalky or something like that so could be in uh, very specific soils. Um, but it's very expensive as well. Eh? <laughs> well, and another um, listener just pointed out, she said that she knows they're doing underground irrigation in Israel, for example. Um, Rosanna, at what point does, or you know, at what point do we say we have to look at crop suitability and say, okay, this crop is no longer suitable to this climate. We have to diversify. We have to, you know, cease viticulture. Do you see that happening or, in your lifetime or do you see just adapting with more water until you this you can't go any further you know how where do you see the road ahead the three of you say again sorry linda say uh, again. how how do you decide you know at what point you know when we discuss crop suitability at some point the grape will no longer be suitable to that particular climate at what point is that decision taken is that individual decision are you going to just irrigate and adapt until you can no longer? Are you at some point going to decide to diversify um, or you know, diversify your crops or uh, migrate a bit? How do you see the future when these element, this climate change is no longer something that you can work with and adapt to? Yes, um, yes. I think the, the irrigation is, is key for the viticulture, especially in Spain 
because it's uh, one of the warmest parts in the in the world. And uh, it's uh, very special uh, to know to learn about the about the vineyard. For example, the the cycle of the of the different fungal disease is really very important to know and and understand how uh, does it uh, develop in the vineyard, and uh, it's very important as well uh, to adapt to the grape varieties, uh, the the canopy of the the management of the canopy mm -hmm. as well, and every many tools to to combat uh, the climate change. And for example, in in Rioja, um, uh, all vineyards are planted in altitude. Mm -hmm. Uh, altitude for us means 450 meters, so it's ridiculous for Argentina, but for Rioja in Spain is <laughs> altitude. Uh, so here we have um, fresher conditions, so we have less evapotranspiration, so the, the requirements of water is less. We have uh, windy conditions as well, so the the vineyards are healthier and we need less treatments as well, so are more sustainable and the flavors are as fresh as well. So our natural tool is the is the altitude for us. Altitude, that's that's very interesting, and and I hope that lasts for a long time. But I think as a sector, viticulture, we've gotten very good at understanding now that a holistic approach is the only approach. And we are looking at all the different earth systems and how they fit together and how they work together. But I wonder if also we need to look more outside of our sector and look at what other crops are doing. And we, we go so far as go, we go back and we're artisanal, but do we need to go back and look at our indigenous ways of agriculture and how um, things, water extraction was done, you know, by our indigenous peoples, etc. Have you given any thought to that? And have you, is, is that something you think, could we learn anything from our old indigenous agricultural systems, do you think? I think it's a mix between, you know, you do have to think about tradition because that's what brought you to this day and this current ways of doing techniques. But at the same time as like trying to flip that on its head and also bring science into the matter and obviously mm -hmm techniques are also helpful so um i know that yeah i mean in terms of us we haven't gone so far back i mean provence is uh, the oldest wine region in france because the romans brought it over and kind of it, it was the first place that they settled on so there is a lot of history in provence and there's pre-roman agriculture there yes true 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 um but yeah specifically with vines it's uh yeah roman time so there's a lot of history and a lot of um ancient techniques used and even in production of wine too i mean uh, ourselves have actually just created a product that is an ancestral method uh sparkling that nobody knows of because it's kind of kept under the radar because uh you know the the uh, appellation cut to provence just doesn't really want to entertain sparkling in provence so you know it's it's things that if you are somebody who respects nature and respects tradition then uh, you do look that far back and you, you, you have to. It's, it's often some of the oldest and best techniques to use, but with a little science uh, twist with, with modern day technology. But um, in terms that's of a beautiful way to say it. It really is a blend of the two, isn't it? Going back and finding the best and giving it a modern twist. Yeah, yeah. it's our winemaker's key philosophy. It's uh, mixing yeah. tradition with, with modern day techniques. It's important. Would you agree with that, Frank? <laughs> yes, I think what is um, from the... Uh, ancient civilization with uh, there are you know the, the the Roman where they're the one that built aqueducts and they knew how to use gravity uh, to an ex extreme uh, level of knowledge you know in, when they came to Spain they've yeah. they've uh, they knew how to uh, how to build cities 
uh, yeah. knowing where the water was available. Um, and uh, also is the, the water retention is also interesting. Uh, I can re retain it. And uh, you know, what we use in the vineyard is the, is the biochar, you know, and that <laughs> comes from the Amazon uh, population. That's, uh, that's, I didn't know that. That's well oh. before the, 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 the Roman time. Yeah, it was fine. It was called a terra petra, and mm -hmm. it's a it's a type of a, they 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 didn't when they did some study in Amazon they did, they couldn't quite work out how such a high density of population could live in such a small uh, superficy. Wow! And then they worked out that the the earth was black, and then they so they they worked out that the population there was cutting the wood and burning it and mixing it with their own food and. Uh, and they were making a, a very uh, fertile soil. And, uh, I, I knew I know we're using that today, I, and I assume that was like some kind of modern <laughs> discovery. Oh, <I> <laughs> oh, yeah, wow. been, yeah, it was uh, probably because that's very uh, part of the regenerative uh, viticulture, but that's actually a, a very very old system, and uh, so that's something that we are reusing in a, in a, in, a, in a vineyard because we need you know in. We're not supposed to 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 burn our wood cuttings okay. in a vineyard, right. and most of people do, and that's, a, a that's you know one of the worst things that we can do because we are uh, em emitting a lot of uh, CO2. So by using uh, biochar, we uh, we gain in uh, water retention, yeah, uh, and we make um, our soil more fertile. So it's a, it's a really really good. Uh, it completely regenerates the soil. It brings yeah. it back to life. Yeah. yeah. That's so certain that we do. things where one thing is used and then turns into another. It's it's how we need to function more and more. And I do think with education, people are slowly getting that factor. So it's, yeah, it's amazing that we can use these things. Mm. We're learning more and more about fungi and, and uh, their use in soil regeneration. Uh, mm. And there are some that are being specifically uh, targeted and used for um uh, viticulture so that's something that's people are looking at it's it's uh interestingly someone's just mentioned about biochar advantageous compared to simply returning the cuttings to the vineyard as green manure yeah biochar isn't something that we use for example but we do we mulch down all of our vine cuttings um and prunes and uh, yeah and we then return it back to the soil so we actually do do the the opposite uh, functionality but yeah somebody's actually asking so maybe rosanna or frank has uh, more interest in uh, in biochar as an advantageous over the green manure i, I like the term green manure is. Yeah, it sounds more, sounds more fragrant, doesn't it? <laughs> Rather than compost, or I don't know. <laughs> Malt. It's something, something new for me, Frank. <laughs> Rosanna, what, what kind of um, systems and techniques do you use to um, for your soil health? Uh, yes, we, we analyze the, the macrobiota every every year to, to see the evolution of the, the, the community, the, the populations and everything. Uh, the fertilization is always uh, organically because we have a sustainable viticulture and uh, we more or less, I don't know, 20%, 30% of the vineyard is uh, organic. Now is a uh, we are moved to, to organic and, uh, and that's it, no, nothing else. That's a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's very important. Uh, uh, we, we come back the the food disease with the uh, trichoderma as well. Okay. And it's really very important because uh, the soil of the the health of the soil is really much better. It's getting better. The the community of the yeast uh, 
uh, increasing, the community of the bacteria as well is increasing. So it's really very important for make uh, aromas and flavor from the future wines. All right. Now, so going back to organic practices, um, you hear a lot of people saying that's not the end all and be all. It's not, there are some practices in, in, in organic farming that are contentious. Can you tell us what they're talking about? What's, what's the downside of organic farming that people often point out to us? I think the main one, I'll take this on just because we've been organic since day one and it's like one of our core babies. Um, Organic really is, it's something that uh, is, you're either really into it and you're really interested or you're, you kind of teeter on the edges, I suppose. And then there's also the conversation earlier about regenerative. So it is just one tool in your toolbox, if you prefer. But in terms of like, I think one of the main things that people have an annoyance or uh, think that there is a disadvantage to organics is the use of copper and sulfite. So, you know, it depends on where you are, I suppose, to how often you need to spray, but there is this conversation piece that needs to be had about the use of how many sprays per year of copper. Copper is one of those compounds that sadly doesn't go away. It is, it's constantly there in the soil and it is forming degradation and it is uh, coming into kind of toxic levels. So we do need to keep a check of it. Um, us personally at Leub, we, we hardly spray. Uh, we keep it to an absolute bare minimum, um, just as a very kind of preventative rather than a cure. And the same thing for sulfate spraying as well. So it's um, those are probably the two things that I would say are the most out there about disadvantages yeah. to, to organic. And, and the, number, the number of treatments uh, normally uh, has to be higher because the, the intensity, the effect of the copper of the sulfur is uh, much lesser than, the, for example, a systemic, a chemical product. Okay, that explains it. But it does stay in the soil a lot longer because it is a natural compound. Yeah, but are there any well, any alternatives? Is both of them? Well, yeah, it's a balance. So, what's the answer, Frank? No, it's just. No, I think it's always you know it's it's as they say it's it depends where you are. Uh, You know, if I'm in my in in a Mediterranean region where we don't have that much, apart from last year that was catastrophic, we don't have that pressure of fungal disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we don't have to spray that often and uh, a lot of the work you know uh, one of the problem of uh, going and spraying uh, regularly is that also you can get some soil compaction but yeah. uh, in our small vineyard we do most of the work by hand so it's, there's no uh, as hardly any soil compaction and we are on schister soil so you don't compact the schister soil really uh, but if you're in, the, in Galicia I I understand that it's 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 um, much more complicated because they get so much rain that uh, Bordeaux, Bordeaux is yeah really I've got bad. brands that you know that work organically and it's uh, to do that it's 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 magical. I mean, it's uh, you have to have a we call faith, a, a faith. You know, you need to be really because it's 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 different. That's why you know sometimes it's like irrigation in a region where you got a lot of heat and drought. Yeah, you may have to irrigate a little bit. And in other regions where you have a lot of humidity, uh, I mean, I am organic and I want to be organic, and, but I understand other part of the, of the world, it's, uh, I, I don't want it, but uh, I understand that uh, it may be a, kind of a, a better way, maybe. Lesser of two evils. Yeah. 
because you know when it rains it when like last year we it was raining every two three days and you know the problem of organic products is that they're not systemic they don't gain they don't penetrate the plant so it rains it washes off so you're supposed to go back and then uh, and it's some years you you have to also accept that you lose the battle uh, <laughs> And it depends as well of the great variety. For example, in Rias Baisas, uh, we yeah. produce uh, Albariño and, and Godello. Okay. And Albariño is more resistant to botrytis and to fungus in general, but Godello is more sensitive. So it's uh, easier to produce yeah. Albariño grapes organically than, than Godello for us, at least in Rias Baisas. Eh? Mm. I'm talking about Rias Baisas. So we need to find a, a new way to fight fungus. We have to come up with something to solve this, don't we? Well, I think we are, we're also trying a, a lot. You know, it's yeah, it's understanding that this fungus uh, reacts. You know, it's like today we've got the uh, the COVID. You know, uh, it's something that we should have known it was coming. Um, you know, my, my wife is from Taiwan. They hardly had any uh, any uh, COVID because they knew how to, they knew it would be coming and they were prepared mm -hmm. so for us fungal disease is uh, we and global warming we know it's coming mm -hmm. so we have to be more and more prepared you know what you were talking i think the, the we're talking more about uh, water issues and uh, for me it's it is it's not really an issue yet for us you know we have water available but as i was talking to Lorraine, in a Pirat, we have a massive reservoir that is the size of 60 football pitches, you know, 60 hectares. And uh, today we have, despite the fact that we had a lot of rain, uh, that, what, that reservoir is at 25% of its capacity. Most of that water is no longer good uh, because it's muddied water. Uh, they've stopped the river that was feeding that uh, reservoir is not is stopped, so it's, it's dried out. So it's no it's no longer feeding the villages. So the villages in summer they have no access to water. So this is this is what is coming, and that, that would be. And if there's no water available for humans, <laughs> there'd be no water available for the the, the plants. You know, it's. Uh, no. I personally think it's going to be the biggest commodity of the world very soon. You know, it's there's already a huge big production of like for example, we can go into plastics with plastic bottled water. It's something that some of the worlds just still don't have access to it. So we need to talk about it now. We need to do more modern techniques and think about how we access it. Do we do more desalinization projects? Do we uh, create rainwater collection, which is cheaper, and use a cheaper material as a tank to do that and make it more accessible? That's why I think these types of panels and these types of conferences are so interesting. Um, to have like a, a conversational piece so we can actually think, ah, maybe that's helpful for me. You know, I didn't know about that before. Like, for example, biochar, some people didn't know about it. It's it's a really interesting factor that we can all come together. Well, this is why I also would like to see us looking outside of our sector and what see what other sectors are doing. For example, there's a company called Dewdrop Farms and they are doing an enormous, and they're in South Africa and Australia, I think at the moment, maybe even Saudi Arabia, and they're doing enormous greenhouses that are solar paneled and then near the water, so they desalinate the water and they're doing acres and acres of, of you know, staple crops and, and, and fruit. And there's no reason, well, there's no reason uh, expense and loss of terroir perhaps but you know an application such as that for viticulture might be something to look at um 
yeah, there's so many other solutions and people doing so much other things outside of our sector. We have, we have to start looking at what they're doing and learn more, I think. Um, have either, have you read uh, Vandana Shiva's Water Wars? You would enjoy that. Vandana Shiva is an, uh, an Indian ecologist and, um, well, she was trained as a, uh, I think a, well, biochemist, but she's, she's, she is an amazing uh, ecologist and her book, Water Wars, uh, would be right up your alley. I think you would all enjoy that. I've heard of it. Not can't yeah. Read yeah. Yeah. Water wars. Water wars. Yes, because because as Lauren has said, this this, this that's what's coming. And uh, it, and also yeah. with climate change, you know, like we you kind of touched upon it earlier. On it's getting so unpredictable. So you know, for us, we get a lot more downpours, which then you have to deal with. So you then have to think about collecting it and yeah. trying to make it go back into plants. Then you've got droughts more, more and more in the summer. So it really mm -hmm. does all revolve around water and then soil. To do it, so yeah. it's, it is something that we actively need to think about and put a lot of effort into, uh, yeah, into finding solutions because it's coming. It really well, the, the global warming, I view it as kind of the earth's, you know, the, the her personality, but the erratic, weather patterns are her moods and and they're getting <laughs> the moods within the personality and it's it's, it's getting very difficult i, I imagine Absolutely. to to do this we're um, also experimenting with uh, straw now in our vineyard uh, doing uh, tell straw. us you know straw the, yeah it's true straw oh, yeah. <laughs> so we we are oh, yeah. putting some really thick layers of straw in uh, one part of our vineyard that is uh, what we call a uh, uh, Coster, so it's a very hilly vineyard, so you can't work with a tractor anyway, and uh, so it has uh, that would be uh, so we we uh, we put some uh, biochar with that is uh, mixed with compost and add a thick layer of straw on it uh, around the vine. So that's uh, what we hope is that um, also it would limit the vegetation around the vine, the, that would compete with the with the with the vines and. Uh, also, you know, we are organic, so most of the time we are with walking the vineyard uh, to control the vegetation. So are you would... this instead of planting grasses or cover crops in between your vines? Uh, it's not cover crop. It's basically it's uh, it's really a, a thick layer of straw. You know, it's like you put it on a around the vine. Yeah, so but that... instead of she's asking instead of cover crops, you do yeah, that. Instead of, yeah, instead of a cover crop, yeah. And the objective, uh, Frank, is uh, to keep the humidity as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's a way, you know, we we from meta analysis with uh, biochar, you would get uh, about uh, ten percent extra humidity or retention in your soil. Uh, plus the straw, I don't know the the numbers, but uh, it seems that it also could be interesting because you also, you know, you keep more humidity and you also. Uh, um, uh, disable the other plant to grow that could be compete with your vines. Okay. Because you know we. Uh, Agatha. Sorry. Okay, Agatha wants to end us because it's time. That's fascinating, oh. Frank. Because you just added in the end. That's very useful, and that's exactly what we need to hear more about. So thank you, everybody. That was a fabulous session, and uh, I'll, I'll be emailing you afterwards. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for all your knowledge.